Hey guys, my name is Leslie Bradley. I'm a local Gold Coast fil- filmmaker, photographer, and welcome to another episode of the Creative Chats podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Khan Eckford. Khan, how are you? Hola. Hola. Um, I'm, uh, I'm existing. You're existing? How's COVID going yeah. for you? Um, yeah, it's it's not as bad as I as I feel like everyone feels like it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, at least we're in Queensland. We still do things and travel and and meet people and whatnot for now. So Queensland's going pretty good. Yeah, that's good. right. That's yeah, always dude, good. We're uh, lucky so, we're not. Sorry, we're lucky we're not Melbourne. Is what I was going to say. No, that's it. That's it. Although they yeah. they're getting better. They're getting better. It's not too bad. Yeah, slowly. Uh, so you're a filmmaker. Uh, what would you classify yourself as? Director, actor, um, all rounder. Yeah, I kind of like, I try to figure out what order of which I put the disciplines in, but I find I kind of like all of them in equal amounts. So, like I write, direct, I guess those kind of go hand in hand, um, act, and then, um, yeah, do like art and design sort of things. Those are the predominant things I do at least. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, So, uh, how did you get into filmmaking? Very initial. Um, so, yeah. So I think for a long time growing up, I didn't, I wasn't conscious that I kind of wanted to do this. Like I didn't actually think of it as like a, oh wait, no, this is a thing. I sort of thought about like the, I saw the performative side of it and I enjoyed that because obviously that's the most obvious side of it to a, you know, a kid who's yep. um, naive about it all. So I think I saw that and I wanted to, do like stuff in the performative sense more so leaning towards comedy because that's the genre which I find myself most like comfortable in um and I yeah like did that for a bit and then just by virtue of not having anyone else able to like do the stuff I ended up like you know producing everything that I ever did um that I ever performed in anyway so I kind of like flexed that muscle a bit and then through just like exercising it learned a bit more about like oh i came more conscious of like okay yeah no i this is a very valuable skill it's actually entertaining um it's something which plays a far bigger part than i ever thought it did um so yeah then i just started to nerd out about like films and whatnot and uh got more into it and figured out like yeah okay i think what i want to do is write and direct um still you still act and whatnot but um yeah i think writing and directing was more so like the more valuable skill to me. Um, yeah. Would you say yeah, you filmed a lot outside of like school and work and did your own film your own little projects or was it more, um, you know, the, the writing and wanting to, to make projects, like not just little videos on the side? Yeah. Um, I would do a bit of both. Um, I would, I remember there was a period in high school where I was just writing tons. I have no idea what any of that stuff is. I'm sure it's all terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm sure but, there's gold nuggets in there somewhere. <laughs> maybe one or two. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I'd go between both. I'd like write a lot, but at the same time, I'm a very, I'm a very impatient person. So I'll like, I'm not good at just like festering on something. So I'll, I'll let yep. it, uh, I'll, I'll try my best to make it happen. Um, a lot of the time I just go out and like shoot something with a loose idea and improvise a lot of it. Um, yeah. Which shows in a lot of this work that I do now, I like to 
have an air of improvisation open. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I definitely would create as much stuff as I could because um, yeah, I, I just like get impatient and I like making new stuff. So yeah. Yep. I mean, you're pretty active on TikTok. <laughs> just making <laughs> random not- videos and Instagrams. and Dude, not as much anymore. Instagram I am, but. Yeah, you're a little yeah, slow on t- TikTok, Calm. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's so funny. I'm declining daily by followers. Really? <laughs> wow. So much. Yeah. It's really funny. I'm washed up. Um, wow. Let's talk about TikTok a little bit because you've had a little yeah. bit of, uh, what was it, fame on uh, TikTok? Uh, Give us some numbers. Let's say virality. I don't know if virality. anyone knows my name to the face. <laughs> <laughs> Leave yeah. a comment in um, the comment section below if you've seen Kant. <laughs> um, yeah. So... That was that was about like it came and went very quickly. I think it probably lasted maybe like four months, if that, and it waned a lot. Um, so last year, I just made some dumb video where I like flipped around the place, um, just physical comedy stuff. Um, yeah, really sent it, and uh, that one got like after posting it, or, like pretty quickly, like a million views or so, and then it just like ramped up to i think it's at like nine i think it plateaued at nine um, oh just you know then, nine million views you know that's but but it's not the same as say like not the same as like say like a youtube video because that requires more attention this is like yeah that's it yeah it's the, a quick the little lowest like, common lowest denominator of entertainment <laughs> so, well actually it's quite interesting because i've seen a lot of um uh, people build their audience on TikTok and then transferring yeah. them to other platforms like Instagram and YouTube where they have a lot longer, long-term sort of videos. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was uh, that was something that I wish, like, uh, I was able to capitalize on, but I think it was yep. – my problem was is I had, like, a few viral videos, but it wasn't, like, had a retentive followership. Um, yeah. So – I guess it's one of those things Um, is that, you know, you you create, you know, this really viral piece of content and it's trying to keep that up and maintain that that consistency. Yeah, I I think my problem was, was like the main, the mainly viral one was, it wasn't like any personality involved in it. It was, it was literally just like physical comedy. Um, Yeah. So I had like heaps of, I did gain like followers from it, but it was pretty much all just like american kids like yeah and when i say kids i mean like probably like 13 and under because it was just like so universal um and just easy to get so mm. not exactly my audience um <laughs> which is probably <laughs> what do you think about TikTok, uh, generally because like tiktok has been primarily a younger audience um mm. but i feel like it's more uh, somewhat maturing in that you can add like a wider range of content. Like there's a lot of like investing on there. There's a lot of real estate sort of videos. Um, and yeah. that's what shows up in my feed, but you, it's becoming a lot more mature now and that you can find a, a, you know, a lot of information on there. So what, what do you, do you think it's like uh, feasible to build I, a business on TikTok or like a little bit of a, a following? Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because that's um, what I do for work right now. Um, that's a part of it. Um, yeah, my my I got hired because my work wanted to um, try and branch out onto mediums like that. So where and, do you work, um, sorry? Uh, I work at this uh, branding uh, company called um, Beyond Billables. 
And um, okay. yeah, they just do like, I kind of, they focus on doing content for other people and I'm kind of like doing content for them because they're not able to do a lot of like stuff for themselves. So nice. I try and help with that. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Like a lot of businesses and professional types are trying to leverage um, TikTok to, yeah, try and get more of a followership um, and more attention. And yeah, it definitely works for uh, some people. Um, but it's also, it's an interesting thing. I feel like it's kind of like in a premature state of it becoming the norm. Um, mm. Because I feel like it's the same as Instagram, where it was kind of like, when it was first made, it was purely just a social, personable thing. But now yeah. it's obviously like, I'd say oh, it's it is... Up more businesses than <laughs> like you go through well, your feed it, every seventh about, like, post or something like that is a uh, is an ad of some sort that's yeah, crazy yeah. and i i go through my um my feed and i would say that i'm being advertised to with people i'm following probably yeah. like 60 70 percent of the time in some regard um so yeah i think it's probably going to go the same route um but yeah, it's, it's interesting just um, because it is a very different medium comparative to Instagram. Um, and yeah, it's, um, I don't know, it, it'll be interesting to see because it is, it is something which is almost like it's tough to do straight business on there. Like you can't, yeah. you've got to kind of like move slightly to the left of what your actual like business does. Like you can't just do a straight up ad because people go on TikTok to laugh mostly. That's um, it. I think the younger so, generation yeah. or the generation now sort of is very aware when they're being advertised to or not. Um, and I think oh, brands yeah. have to get uh, very creative in coming up with ways of like, you know, diverting away from a pure ad and like, you know, bring value, I think, you know what I mean? Um, I think if you as a brand or business can bring value to uh, the generations coming up, uh, they're more, they feel more respected and are more likely to want to engage with that company. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Netflix is, you know, been around and involved quite a bit over time and they've had to adapt some of their marketing and things like that. Um, you know, bring value and, you know, little games I've, I've, I've seen and, um, you know, sneak peeks and, you know, just how they engage in the comments as well is quite interesting. You know, it's, it's oh, totally, it's, yeah. I, I think it's almost like more important to now on platforms like that, especially um, just, just interact with your demographic and, and yeah. really know your demographic and make things that culturally support them as opposed to just like advertise to blank. Because yeah, as you said, people are a lot more aware of, you know, I'm being advertised to you. Like, I, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't care. Like it's it, in spite, I'm not going to support you. <laughs> That's it. You know, it's, um, um it's, it's quite interesting how, you know, things change and evolve over time. I mean, you know, Looking back, what, 10, 20 years, like TV was quite, you know, the go-to place for advertising. And now mm. it's, you know, the attentions on the phone, on the laptops, on the internet, you know what I mean? iPads and things like that. And uh, I saw an ad, what was it, a few months ago on Channel 7 advertising that they have spots available to advertise. I'm like, I've never seen that on Channel 7. So, like, they're yeah. getting desperate, you know what I mean? And yeah, I think definitely. what's interesting as well is that you probably would have noticed this in that um, 
because social media is very um, quick and you know fast paced. Um, I've noticed that Channel 7 shows have become a lot faster now. Um, you know, I mean, what we have that new cooking show on Channel 7, they're already up to their grand final. You know what I mean? So rather dragging out these shows, they're condensing them into a little bit faster paced shows uh, to keep up with and drag in the younger audience, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah, I think, um, and on that trend of faster paced shows, um, you notice it is predominantly on all the major networks, at least in Australia, reality TV shows um, yeah. where it's based around like, yeah, it's a competition of sorts or whatever it may be um, or live sport, because I feel like those are the two things that still people can kind of like get around as like, okay, this is a live thing. This is a developing weekly thing. And because it's, you know, reality. Um, yeah people have that like attachment to it where it's like, Oh, this isn't just like a, a disposable fiction thing. Um, mm. So I feel like, yeah, that's, that's the only thing that's really working for them because obviously streaming services have just have a complete monopoly control over um, any like form of fiction. But at the same time, you know, it's worth noting that Netflix, whenever they have a big show, you think about it and it's those shows that everyone talks about a lot of the time or at least like I'd say half or sometimes a bit over half it's actually a docuseries not yeah not actually uh, yeah because it's know, informational it's, it's, it's they're getting value from it they're not just being entertained they're, they're being informed and um, learning which is quite interesting as well yeah so it'll be yeah it, it, it's something that's gonna I don't see a lot of longevity in um just at least like network television. Um, yeah. I think it's more so just like, and they already are, but they can do it a lot better just yeah. adapting to the times because it's not so much, it's either like do that, evolve or just disintegrate. Well, everyone is sort of second screening when they watch TV. So, like, they'll have their show on, and then as soon as it cuts to commercials, they're on, instantly on their phone, they're instantly on their you know, the device, and so they're having two screens at the same time, and as soon as their show comes yeah. back on, they're back on the TV. So, they're, you know, advertising on TV, I think, is, is gone. Like, it's all about where the consumer attention is and whether that's, you know, you know people are like, oh, is TikTok going to get banned and things like that? It's like, well... No. I mean, if they do, great, but, like, don't just rely on TikTok. Be universal and, you know, build up your audience and then try and divert them out to other social medias that you've built up, and, and like a website or, you know, Facebook and things like that, which have been around for, for quite a while. Yeah, totally. And, and I, I'm sure we, pretty much everyone listening, including us, do that exact same thing. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, I mean, you have to. <laughs> you have to. Honestly, it's pretty bad. So getting back into um, filmmaking and, and things like that, um, we both went to Griffith Uni in South Bank. Um, so mm -hmm. uh, this sort of question is uh, is answered differently depending on who it is. So, like, why yeah. uni? What led you to go towards uni? Yeah, so I sort of thought um, I, I did juggle it. At the time when I was nearing, yeah, completing high school, if I should just, you know, like do it independently or if I should study it at an institution, um, I think it was more supported 
yeah, come on, like go to a university by my parents. So, um, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Um, and then that discussion became like, okay, but do I do like filmmaking or acting? Because those are the two things which are most, I was most passionate about at the time. And, um, I figured, okay, well, this may be naive of me, but I feel like it, nah, no, you know what? I'm not going to say it's naive of me. I'm right in saying this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Stick to your passion. I I feel like I could have benefited more from learning in an institution, filmmaking, as opposed to acting, because with filmmaking, there's so many more actual physical, like pieces of gear resources that you require. Um, so getting your hands on those things or at least like working with them and working with other people, which is another like necessary part of it. Um, is this, that was, that was a great way of actually physically, practically, tangibly learning as opposed to acting where I kind of thought like, obviously it's nice to, to have their resources that you would learn in an institution, but for the most part, a lot of like, uh, it's all, I feel like it's a lot more of a psychological thing. Um, Interesting. But, you know, I, but like it, at the same time, I sort of got both of what I wanted because I went to film school to do filmmaking. So I developed that muscle. And at the same time, I didn't even think about it going into it, but I was like, oh yeah, shit, everyone around me is going to be doing projects. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, I'm like the easiest person to ask if they need like a last minute actor or whatever. Yeah. Like they don't want to search. It's like, yeah, I'll definitely do it. So I ended up probably getting more experience acting. just And networking as well. Like everyone needs an actor oh, for their yeah. projects and, you know, networking. And if you're uh, networking with people that's in your class in your year, you know what I mean? Like you're getting quite a bit of exposure for yourself and, you know, what you do. Totally. Totally, yeah. And I found um, because my predominant, um, my predominant skill was writing and directing, um, it's like the the bigger one, so it's 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 obviously like not something you got to make it happen yourself. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise, like it's not like there's a project up and it's like who wants to like write and direct it. Um, very rarely that happens, so it's tough for me to get onto like other sets and get more like reps in of like actually practically doing it. Um, whereas, say, if you were a DOP. Um, or someone in some form of a gear department, it's a lot easier to get onto different sets because everyone needs a lot more hands on in that regard. But I found through acting, I was able to get onto a lot of sets, um, which I'm fortunate for because I, like you can study theory all you want, but actually being on set and just like paying attention is by far and away how you learn to be a lot better. Well, as an actor, you, you being on set, you can see how other people work and you're not just working with, you know, with one crew, you're working with multiple crews, multiple mm. directors, producers, cameras, and and you're learning a lot of different styles and you can sort of um, uh, find out your own, build your own style based off that when you do go to write and direct things. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I've, I've definitely taken things from different sets um, like, okay, don't do that or yeah, this is amazing. I love the way that they do this. Like I've never thought about implementing this on a set. Like I'd like to uh, have this happen. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, 
yeah, it's it's definitely a great learning experience. And I've um, been on sets where I've been an actor and then I like would try and seek out, hey, like as a crew member and go, hey, like, do you want to work on this thing that I'm doing? Um, so yeah, again, the networking thing. Rope in the um, mean. <laughs> yeah. Um, how does $5 sound? Um, <laughs> Solid handshake with pat in the back. $5 for three days. <laughs> um, That's no, quite but, a bargain oh, there, mate. <laughs> um, also, I found, um, yeah, from a director's standpoint and an actor's standpoint, doing both, being on both sides of the camera, really, really is a helpful tool for like both roles. Because Why is that for those who don't know? So, because I guess directing... Um, you know, like there's some directors who focus on more like the cinema, uh, cinematography of it, more who focus on the uh, performance from the actors, some who do both. Um, uh, but uh, I, I always focused on the performance side of things because I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to push most of my energy towards one side, let it be the thing that no one else has a role where they can control that. Yeah. Because obviously, like, you have a DOP who has a good eye for cinematography. So if you're going to lack in that area, there's at least someone to pick that up and do it probably a lot better than you. So, yeah. But there's no one to pick up the acting side of things. So I yeah. always direct for performance. Um, and in that, uh, I, I kind of want to know the best way of, like, how would I like to be directed when I'm acting? Um, so I have a lot of experience with that. Um, and you know, like I like it when I'm directed this way, or like, I hate it when I'm directed this way. I pay attention to the questions that I ask, um, the director when I'm acting and I try and preemptively on when the tables are turned, give those, um, answers or like ask those questions to the actor if they're not, um, you know, if, if they're not maybe like, going to ask that, or maybe they're a bit more of a, like have less experience. Um, but yeah, it's, and I think it's definitely definitely helpful because at the end of the day it's all a team effort it's not something where it's like i'm here to shine fuck these guys um no it's definitely a collaborative Um, experience yeah so i think and that goes for everything honestly especially as an as a director being conscious of what every role requires and needs and the effort that goes into it is super important because you value everyone a lot more and you know uh you know what you're asking when you tell them to do something because that's it i think above just a morale thing uh, the actual execution and performance and how a set is run is really crucial on that point of view because you know you can have a first ad to help you out with that but you know it unfortunately like the director is kind of like they do get ultimate say a lot of the time so yeah Sometimes I think it's not so much uh, I'm right, you're wrong. It's more mm. of, uh, okay, I have this suggestion, you're suggesting that, and then, like, you know, if, like you said, at the end of the day, the director kind of has the final say, but, you know, the, the first AD is sort of working for the producer, you know what I mean? So they have a bit of um, idea of time and schedule and things like that, which I think is important for the director to know as well. You know, know your times, yeah. know how long things sort of roughly take, and, but... um. You know, it's a collaborative experience. So if someone's suggesting something, hear them out, listen to what they have to say, and then take that on board and be like, okay, no, that actually is a better idea um, because of X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? 
Definitely, yeah, because I've worked with directors who are very just stubborn in their ways. And, you know, that's like some, there's really great directors who are like that. But at the same time, that's not how I want to run my sets. Like I want everyone to mostly have a good time. Um, because I think, I think when the crew has a good time, the actual end result ends up coming out better because people have that incentive to try and make what yeah. they're doing good. Um, and yeah, it just makes for so much nicer of a time too. So yeah, I, I like to be very collaborative when I'm directing because um, also say for uh, my DOPs, when I'm working with my DOPs, I like to give them the blueprint, but then just let them have a lot of free range with it. Um, because obviously there's so much that they can creatively have an input in and they have an eye where they're so keenly focused on cinematography where like which is worlds beyond mine so i think it'd be naive to think you know i'd have a better eye for it than them yeah <laughs> so and and that goes to every every role that has a play on like how it looks like production design especially you know give them a blueprint let them flesh it out themselves because a likely chance i'll do it a lot better than what my brain says yeah well i yeah. think being collaborative experience like um, and allowing your team members, your crew members to input and input their ideas and things. It feels like it's, and you think, I thought you brought this up where um, it, it becomes so much more than just your idea. It's uh, everyone's idea. And that for, therefore yeah. makes them want to work harder, you know, stay back, do extra things, go beyond their, you know, their limits to try and achieve something because they feel like, okay, he's actually listening to me. I feel validated and then I want to help and do as much as I can for this project. Totally. Yeah. Because I, I like, I have so much respect for every department because there's not a job that isn't tough <laughs> on a set. No, that's it. Really? They're all hard. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I, I think no role should be undermined. Every role is different. So yeah, yeah, and everyone has their all to give. Absolutely. Um, what would you have done differently at uni? Um, I think it's. I uh, this is funny because I was on a grad slate, um, a third year film this year, just yep. last week. I just wrapped um, as an actor, um, and yeah, I was talking to some of um, some of the people there about it. They were asking me because obviously they knew I went there um and yeah I think um I think in the end it all came out like pretty pretty nice but obviously in hindsight if I had more time um I like earlier on I probably would have um I probably would have gotten rid of uh any like headspace of you know this matters so 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 much because I, I definitely had and also putting a time window on like, I need to fucking make this happen by like this time because I um, I definitely had that. I was very tough on that and cynical in terms of like, you know, I'm fucking, I'm good. Sorry, I'm swearing. Is that okay? I swear. No, no, you're all right. You're all good. Okay. okay. It's all good. <laughs> um, like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Like, 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 let me sh show it, you know, that's nothing. Like, let me show you what I can do. But I got rid of that by third year. Um, I sound I sound like I was in like an egotistical maniac. I wasn't an egotistical. I mean, maniac. well, you know, <laughs> well, well, um, 
this podcast but, finished, guys. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wasn't I wasn't as bad as I'm making myself out to seem, but I had somewhat of a, a mentality of which. But then by third year, I decided, you know what? In the end, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, just try your best, make stuff that's cool. And if you enjoy it, that's all that really matters because why else are you doing it? You know? Yeah. Um, if you so you put a lot of it, emphasis like, on succeeding at uni. Yeah, I, I did early on and then and maybe in like first and second year. And um, then by third year, I just got rid of all of that. And that was probably the best year I had in terms of, you know, um, creative output, um, quality, and then like working with people, just having a much better time. Um, yeah. And like networking, knowing way more people. Um, yeah, the third year, I feel like was exactly what I would have wanted across first and second as well. But Nice. So let's talk yeah, about third year a little more because yeah, um, yeah. you actually directed the third year grad slate. Uh, for mm-hmm. those who don't know, at the end of uh, Griffith, three years at uni, the third year you all sort of work on these massive big projects, uh, short films that you then develop and film throughout the year and then market on and hopefully use those as like a stepping stone into the industry. And you actually wrote and directed uh, a third year grass lake called The Suede Drapes. Tell me a little about it, uh, about the story, about your experience and everything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, The Suede Drapes is, it was like this, um, it's a mockumentary. It's a band mockumentary horror so it's about this band that goes to record the lp at um this supposedly haunted studio um it's a famous studio that the favorite uh, musician stephen alderson had killed himself in so they had the incentive of like one of their favorites like killed himself there and um at the same time it's very cheap because (laughs) someone just committed suicide in there um (laughs) but yeah um and, and then, you know, all these antics happen. And yeah, um, so it's a comedy uh, with some horror elements in it. Um, mostly just playful with the horror. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I had that idea um, leading into, because I had the intention of, yeah, I would like to direct for third year uh, grad slate because I had directed um, the second year um, film projects, which were called Drama Prod, um, Drama Production. Yeah. So I had one. What was your project do, on that one? Uh, the Best You, which was like a um, comedy again, but it was kind of like a, I guess like a sci-fi office thing. It, it, like sci-fi loosely. It just had a clone in right. there, so that's why it's yeah. sci-fi. Um, strange genre for me to do. I'm like, I'm not a sci-fi guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I guess I was trying to make something different. And again, I was trying to do something different with this one. Um, so leading into it um i had that intention of nah did i might do a drama because i feel like everyone just knows me to do comedy and it's kind of like i just i feel like i'm leaning on crutches here like it's what i feel safest with and i um all that but i came to decide at the last minute no you know what i'm gonna do a comedy because no one's gonna do a comedy the way that I would like to make one. Um, yeah. The, there were comedies uh, in our grad slate and there were some good ones. Um, mm. But yeah, there was like nothing that was 
exactly kind of like my voice in it um, or similar to it. So I kind of decided. You, you definitely know, have no, a different probably, voice. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 probably, I probably should do that. Um, and, you know, it's a bigger project. Probably stay with something I'm comfortable in and try and do it well. So, yeah. Yeah. Lean on comedy. I love mockumentary. I love handheld camera looks. So I went with that. And then um, horror um, as a as a extra element in there, I figured as, um, you know, that's something that can be fun and rather concise for a storyline um, if we're keeping it under, under 20 minutes. Um, and, uh, yeah, to try to – I tried it. I actually got a lot of influences for storyline for this film, um, but mashing them all together, I kind of realized, oh, wait, no, this is rather fresh. I don't think I've seen something yeah. exactly like this. Um, so, yeah, went ahead and did that. Um, developed it um, over the Christmas summer break period. There were some classes that we could do that for in uh, third trimester. And um, then it came to pitches, um, pitched it, was lucky enough to get voted um, to- A very unique pitch, might I add. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I- um, Bit of I did performance. That yeah, did that for the second year as well. I kind of had a bit of a comedic pitch. I, I, I felt like, okay, at Liberty, I have a comedy film. Why shouldn't my pitch be funny? I That's probably it. should do that. And um, get one yeah, board. lucky enough, lucky enough, I got voted in. Um, and yeah, and then we got into pre-production and whatnot. Um, How'd you everyone, find that? The pre-production stage? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was fun because I... This, so this crew ended up being about half people I had worked with before, half people I had never worked with. Um, so the first person I crewed was James Southam. He was my um, DOP for it. And from he, that was like very early on. Um, and the funny thing is, is like I had never actually worked with him before properly. And we weren't even like proper, proper friends at that stage. Um, so suede reps like once i pitched it to him and like we started developing on it we realized oh wait no we have very similar styles in terms of like creative intent yeah. so that worked out um and it kind of ended up being like james crewed a bunch of people um on the camera and vision side of things and i crewed a bunch of people um on the other the external side of things um yeah so yeah um ended up getting a pretty uh it was an amazing crew. Um, yeah, like uh, thankful for everyone I had. Um, we had a really good crew made uh, and everyone got along, which is cool because once it came to being on set, obviously the crew morale is up. It's it's a comedy, so it's fun. Um, yeah. And But at the same time, when, when you need to focus, like people focused and they just banged it out really quickly and well. Um, so yeah, in, in terms of that, uh, the pre-production stage, um, a lot of development, um, some script changes, um, and even uh, I feel like a project like this is always going to change. Um, yep. Perpetually until you say, okay, it's finally done, it's cut. Um, and was that even, those changes coming from you wanting to for it to be better, or was it like external people saying, hey, you need to change this, this doesn't make sense, trying to clean it up? So um, we would have these uh these little like feedback sessions from our um over our overlooking tutors um 
on these projects. And yeah. Um, yeah, so they would give like rounds of feedback per cut, um, saying like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, like this works, this doesn't work, um, what have you, propose some ideas. And yeah, so, and uh, screening for different people, like my peers as well, um, just getting that feedback and figuring it all out. Um, and yeah, like I, I think that was an interesting, very interesting period getting all the feedback because I tried to stay headstrong enough where I was like, okay, no, this, this is good feedback. I'll take this, this, and this, but then all this other stuff I'm going to disregard because I know it's probably going to be a different opinion once we get closer to that vision, which I initially had. Um, so I tried to stay headstrong in both because I didn't want to have it be too much of a creative hodgepodge because you need a bit of direction in the idea. Um, yeah. So if you just like take, you know, creative, um, creative feedback from everyone, it kind of loses direction because everyone's focusing on these micro parts and the larger It doesn't really have a consistency much. throughout sort of like chopping, chopping stories and ideas up and it just becomes something totally different from what you initially to- had. Totally. Yeah. And, and making sure I was taking feedback primarily from people who fit within my target demographic because obviously, you know, you could have a great film, but you could have like an Oscar winning film, but if it's not for that person, it's not for that person. It doesn't matter. Um, So So I think that's an interesting point, getting feedback from people uh, within the demographic that you're trying to reach, Mm. um, especially early on during the pre-production stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just because I knew, uh, being a comedy, um, uh, you have this whole other element of beyond just the story, the jokes need to hit. Yeah. So that was actually a huge one. That was a very interesting one. Every time I would screen it for different people, there was never a consistent joke that would seem to be the most popular or, you know, one that wouldn't work. Every time a different person laughed at a different thing. <laughs> yeah. So that by virtue was kind of like, oh, this is nice. It works kind of broadly, but at the same time, it was like, fuck, I don't know what to cut. Yep. <laughs> so I kind you of- You cut um, out five minutes. Hmm. <laughs> legitimately, I was trying to Jeez. find stuff that didn't work. and But yeah, so, and, uh, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, getting all that feedback was- very constructive. I feel like you need to, as harsh as it can be, as defeating as it can be. Once you get it enough times, you're like, yeah, it just rolls off, yeah. rolls off your shoulder. I think you make an uh, interesting point because, um, for those who don't know, I did sound design for this uh, suede drapes, yeah. and um, during and a, post production, job of it. oh, thank you very much, thank you. Uh, I was going to say it's, it's quite interesting because. Um, Early on during the sound design, it's like, okay, you know, oh, that's a cool joke and, and that oh, that part's really funny. But it wasn't until like the very end when I started adding more and more elements and like comedy bits and sound effects and music that I started getting more and more of the other jokes. And it's like, whoa, it's like it's totally evolving over time to becoming so much more. And there's like that one part that uh, it was in the um, – in the mixing room, recording room, and I added that little yeah. sound effect thing, and it changed that whole dynamic of the of the scene. And I was like, "Damn!" Like you know, and that's sort of where like sound design plays like a big part. Um, you know, like fifty percent of a film. Uh, and oh, mate, it was 
such a cool experience, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, uh, I think collaborating with you was a, a very good experience as well. Um, uh, so many likewise, laughs. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so many laughs. But, um, um no, you oh, gonna sorry. Say? Yeah, yeah, I was, was going to say that, yeah, that's another thing too, is I definitely really didn't undermine the fact that, yeah, sound plays a massive part in this, um, in any film, but like, especially I think comedies and anything that needs to garner a reaction and immediate reaction from an audience. So say a comedy yeah. or a horror, this was both. Um, yeah. Sound plays way, way, way bigger of a role in the delivery of the, like the jokes or the scares that you would think. Um, yeah. So yeah. And that was a big thing too. That's why we did a whole, um, temp sound mix while we were editing before you um because obviously we had a bunch of sound that we just got rid of and then like reconstructed when it came down to the proper sound design but yeah in the cuts we made sure to just put in a bunch of temp sound anyway just so when we were screening it for people um they were getting the right intent because That's yeah it. as you said um whole jokes would come together just because of a sound and well interesting yeah. thing um uh, and getting feedback. Uh, remember how we were in the um, little editing suites, um, you know, with the multi, multi, multiple computers, and yeah. um, it was like close to like final delivery, and I was still adding in like sound effects for like the final scene, and mm. I was getting feedback from James and a whole bunch of other people on you know what do you think of the sound design, and like oh you need more of this and add a little bit of that, and would add it, and then there even though they've just seen the scene, then watching it again, they get a whole new reaction just from the sound effects alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. just crazy how much small little bits of um, information leads to so much more imagination in, in the mind. And um, when we screened it um, at the awards, just watching, because I was at the back of the room, uh, just watching people's reaction and whatnot to it, I was like, damn, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it could have been yeah, so so different, but like just you know, and that's and that's been helpful for me in other sound design stuff. And I'm sure it's with you, you know, like those little moments you learn. It's like okay, you know, you need to spend the time and put the effort into creating, you know, adding an extra sound. You know, it might take you half an hour to find a sound effect, but putting that in adds so much more. Oh, definitely, yeah. It's like cannot stress it enough. Focus yep. on sound design, people. Um, especially if it's something like a, a comedy or a horror, because those are big defining points and beats. Well, that's it. Comedy has its sort of sound effects, and then horror has their own sort of uh, sound effect elements. And trying to mesh those two together was uh, was very very interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's quite a challenge, though. You know, because I mean, it's um, I, I quite enjoy the project, and uh, it was definitely a challenge. But you know. From that, you've I've learned so much from the experience, and um, no, I, honestly, it's turned out really, really good. Um, you should be very proud of it. And uh, speaking of a sway drapes and finishing, where is it now? What's happened to it after uni? Um, first of all, thank you. Um, no worries. and you know, you should be proud of it too. You played a significant part. Thank you. No, it's a it's very good. Um, very proud of it. Yes. Um, yeah. So right now, um, obviously the intent was to take it to festivals, but then 
COVID-19 kind of hit and yep. ruined a bunch of that. Um, obviously, there's some online festivals, but we I've sort of figured it's, it's kind of not the ideal um, for it. And I, I have no problem um, just hanging on to it. Um, yeah. Because I, I feel like it's not... Uh, it's not dipping in quality of what I'm able to do. I feel like it's still up to par with what I'm capable of um, now. Yep. Like I haven't surpassed it. So it wouldn't be like if I released it a year later, it wouldn't be like, oh, this is kind of bad for him. <laughs> yeah. Know, so yeah. This I is old still, work. I've evolved yet. Yeah. It's, it's still something which I'm very proud of. And I think is, you know, pretty much maybe one of the best things I've done. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to hold on to it. Just wait until the right opportunities come up to you know send it off to festivals, uh, screen it, um, and whatnot. Was it but, always um, yeah. the um, the goal to release into um, film festivals? Yeah, I think so. Just out of a sense of um, it's it's good. It potentially may have like good networking um, and like opportunity uh, goals for it. Um, and it's it's a good it's a good what James said was it's a good stamp of my identity in a film. Um, it's because it's, it's very my style. So I think that as well, it's, it's a good stamp as a director. Um, so trying, trying to do that, um, beforehand, but yeah, send it out to festivals and then eventually let it live, um, somewhere online, um, is the goal because I would yeah, exactly like, I would like to have it out. Um, though I feel like I've screened it for pretty much <laughs> everyone yeah. at this point, but yeah, um, that, that, that's the intent still, but just a bit of a fork in the road with COVID. But yeah, still. There. Do you think film festivals sort of um, uh, hold up um, as much as they did before? Because I feel like, you know, the traditional thing is you make a film, put it out to film festivals, hopefully get some distribution thing and funding for bigger and better projects. Uh, whereas mm. some people debate that sort of changing, not so much the way to go, uh, just release it online and, you know, market it yourself or, you know, try and get funding privately and, you know, invest in it in the second one. And Yeah. So I think um, I, I definitely think both uh, – answers to that are valid both sides of it um because i think it just depends on what the project is um yeah so yeah like i i think um i think for this one yeah i i am keen to get it out but at the same time as i said before like if if i hang on to it for even another year i don't think it's going to be a dip in my quality um or my voice so i'm you know there's no risk in me running it through festivals and then releasing it um but yeah, like that's an absolutely valid statement saying that, you know, certain projects may just benefit from just being released. Like they might not have much of a place in a um, festival circuit, um, especially if it's, you know, catered towards being an online thing, if it's very digestible in that sense. But for something, because Sway Drape's runtime is just below 20 minutes. Um, it yeah. is like a, a rather like, yeah, it is a short film minutes. sort of thing. I think it's 19, it probably like it's early 19 minutes if you exclude like the, you know, technical preset yeah. stuff before it actually starts. Um, Over the yeah. film school requirements, might I add? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's funny. I thought yeah, it was like but, 15 uh, minutes or something like that and you've pushed it to like 18, 19 minutes. I'm like, yeah. 
by yeah, Whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's, it's one best production. <laughs> so it's fine. That's it. Best film. Why not? <laughs> um, um, another yeah. question uh, with like um, releasing it and whatnot, because a lot of people mm-hmm. go to just think, okay, I'm going to make a film and release to film festivals. Um, but like, is there anything uh, other marketing techniques that um, you would like to try or have thought about doing for suede drapes? Yeah. So I think that part, like the marketing part is one of the most fun parts, but also one yeah. of the most challenging um, but yeah, I do enjoy marketing and for something like this, which is fun. Um, it can be very innovative. Um, we actually have a bunch of like Canon, um, outtake sort of behind the scene, not behind the scenes, um, like outtake alternate cut, um, sort of things that we cut out from yep. the full film that we can use for promotional purposes. So we're going to do a bunch of that stuff. Um, nice. potentially some, um, uh, further like promotional character work because it is in the realm of being a mockumentary. So uh, I think our goal, um, we'll see how it evolves, but our goal still would be to promote it as if it is um, really like the, a real band and real, the characters I think are what real you could people. do and what would be interesting is that I've, I've read somewhere that um, uh, for filmmakers creating like character profiles on social media and then using those mm. to promote pages, like, you know, creating a TikTok account for each and an individual band member or like a TikTok account for the band and just putting up like fake songs and fake album things. And then, you know, getting people to believe that that's a real band. And then, you know, it turns out all these other crazy things happen and then like links to, you know, what happens and they've created a short film about it. And that's the film that you have, you know, like, you know, I mean, I think that's a pretty good idea. Uh, Again, contact yeah. me if you want no, that. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do like that a lot. I think um, if this were to, I'd say if like this way drapes were to develop further beyond just like yeah. what it is, um, I think it'd have more potential as, obviously the story would alter a bit, um, but yeah, I, th- I think it has like a, a bit more of like a serial um, potential over a feature. Yeah. Um, could work as both, but I think there's like a lot to do with um in a mockumentary sense with uh, a serial format. Well, I think um, uh, series have changed quite a lot because for me going into uni, I always thought, okay, I'm going to direct feature films. That's where I want to go. That's like my main passion. But then over time, I was like, okay, TV series on like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, things like that. That's like a, you know. Uh, a long form sort of movie in a way, you know what I mean? Because you get, mm. you know, you know, one season could end up being like two or three films, um, length yeah. wise, you know, what what I mean? more so content. exactly, and a lot more time to develop characters, story, different story arcs, things like that. Um, mm. and they've become quite cinematic over the years, you know what I mean? Because just just because technology is changing quite a lot. Um, but I had this m- mindset that TV series was like your home and aways, your neighbours, those type of uh, mm. episodic ones. I was like, that's not really what I want to do. But now, you know, with streaming and like, you know, you, like you said, Netflix brings out a new show and then pretty much everyone's watched it already and they're constantly wanting more and more content. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think, um, I think I was the same. Um, but yeah, now I think tv like a serial format is perhaps what i'd like to do more than a feature nice because i because i think but you know i love both um 
yeah would not i mean as, <laughs> like if i got approached to do either i'd be like yeah <laughs> but, hey uh, can't, can you do a feature film next ah, yeah look i'd rather just do tv series mate <laughs> tv kid <laughs> talk to me later that's um, where the future is yeah even uh, though like tv is declining <laughs> traditional tv yeah. <laughs> I want to direct an episode of Home and Away. That seems like a, a, a good career thing. I mean, if well, if you're an actor, I mean, look at Chris Hemsworth. He's a track record. Right? I, feel, I feel like that's that's funny. Like people talk about like they were on that show, and it's like, yeah, but how many other people were on that show? Oh, so many. Like, pe- I mean, like I watched a, a clip the other day, and there's like a kid who was on Home and Away. And have you seen The Purge? Yeah. Perch films? Yeah. Uh, I think the recent one where, like, this guy knocks on the door and I was like, that's the kid from Home and Away, like, all grown up now. He's doing Perch films. Yet Chris Hemsworth is doing bloody Thor and Marvel. I'm like... Yeah. You know, just just because you're on Home and Away don't mean you're going to get those blockbuster, you know, feature films. But, you know, he's still making it in the industry, so that's all good. Yeah. uh, what have what what have you done after uni? Because like you got sway drapes, that's kind of like on the hold. What other things are yep. you doing to remain active? Yeah, so um, as of now, this past year, um, kind of a different year because of COVID, um, putting a halt yep. on a lot of productions. But uh, yeah, we've still been. I've been doing personally a lot of design and like animation kinds of work. Um, so still contributing towards films and you know pieces of media content but um yeah just doing like a bunch of animation like simple things like animated titles or like intro sequences um and is that for you just personal thing or like is it just a practice or is that for someone else um it's for it's for other people um lately this past year um yeah but yeah um and then i also run like a little uh like a little like shirt thing like <laughs> we make like some shirts uh some designs with uh myself and mungo called studio labs so some more design work i guess which is more in terms of uh you know for, for me a bit more than yeah. um for different projects but nonetheless both are fun um i've also in the recent months as things have started to ease up a lot more and you know doing bigger productions is a bit more of a feasible thing. Um, been able to do some directing and some acting things. Um, yeah, I'm working with my mate, um, doing a bunch of music videos that are yet, you know, soon to be coming out in the past, in the next coming months. Um, I animated a music video for his band. Um, yeah, a couple other music videos that are in edits right now. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, some acting stuff, like, uh, I just acted in a grad slate film, um, just, uh, I rapped, like, Sunday, um, yeah. so, like, v- very recently, um, nice. so that was cool, <laughs> and, um, our friend Alex, uh, Matha, um, Matha the Gaffer, um, <laughs> who was on the previous episode, I still need to edit, man, uh, like, it's, oh, it takes forever, <laughs> Prioritize mine over his. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I'm, that's I'm, it. I'm kidding. No joking. Um, <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah, uh, Alex uh, made this. Um, we shot a pilot episode for this series um, he wrote called Picket, um, which is just like a squash mockumentary. Um, yep. It's you know it's not about squash, but like squash is like the 
the thing that the main character does and um yeah. he has a coach who is uh played by gianni bellotti hill who's um and without spoiling anything you're uh you're one of the actors oh yeah i'm, I'm i play harry Piggott and um <laughs> uh G- gianni plays my coach gavin um who also played um eli in the suede drapes so um nice. that was cool we worked with each other again Bit of networking and, um, there yeah um and yeah we did it on a rather skeletonish crew but it was all we really needed and it was good um yeah um you and i were both on that yeah. and um yeah uh that's really fun uh, like i will say like out of everything i've done this year picket was probably the most fun that i've had yeah um and uh yeah the keen to see um how that develops we're just currently running it through a bunch of different um different avenues to try and get funding or whatnot um yeah and yeah but so far that's pretty much what i've been up to um yeah and and keen keen to see the ball keep rolling because i think um, things are finally like okay we've got the green light we can all start going to start chugging our engines again yeah um you mentioned that you're doing music videos and things like that have you directed any music videos before um or during uni actually that's the one thing that i like really 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 wanted to do um for a long time apart from just bigger pieces of content like films or tv um yeah but i never had the chance to um but yeah i just is it the first music video i directed yeah yeah the first music video i directed is one that's um being cut right now um for this group order 66 they're really great it's a great song um cool guys and uh yeah that's um coming out around about what's the date today 20 uh i won't disclose that for editing sake that'll be coming out um in late october so uh nice. keen on that to come out um and yeah uh that's my main thing now i think as a director is trying to work on a lot of music videos um but yeah i'd also still be keen to have some narrative short films come out um eventually i've got a couple written um that yeah just yet to push into production but they're there um for those who want to get into music videos how would you go Mm -hmm. about how do you search for bands how do you get in contact with them like for someone who's never done music video before how would you sort of get into that sort of realm yeah um to be honest, I wish I knew better. Um, I got lucky through just being um, attached to people. Like, say, James got um, James got approached about um, the Order sixty six music video, and um, I'm like just James's directing partner, pretty much, um, yeah. because he's predominantly focused on um, being a producer and uh, DOP if the project suits him, um, yeah. and editing as well. Um, so I'm the director when it comes down to those things. So um, I was lucky enough to get that opportunity through him. And then um, other ones are just like through word of mouth through other people. So I've been lucky enough yeah. where I've just, I guess the advice that I could give in terms of what I've done is just don't wait for things to happen. Keep building your portfolio in any way you can, whether it be, you know, just, just, creating pieces for yourself um whatever it may be um develop a style and or you know show what you're capable of doing so when time comes uh you know you never know who it is 
they refer you and they see what's you know what you're capable of they show you some work yeah you know you you have something already there um that they can trust so in terms of contacting um kind of tough it, it, it's unfortunate it, there's a lot of stuff in the film industry like this but yeah it's kind of like you need previous work as you know an easy way of going like that's it oh yeah no, you need that's to have cool. pieces of work to get work <laughs> it's like the yeah it's the cat and mouse things like what do you do toughest thing um you know kind of got to know the right people sort of thing which i guess is like yeah. in a very small way what i've been fortunate enough with but um yeah it's it's kind of like my my only real piece of advice that i can give is this yeah build that portfolio and you because you never know when it's gonna when an opportunity is going to come your way so yeah yep. awesome good advice good information now um <laughs> to wrap this podcast up i've got three questions that i ask every uh, guest on the show uh so first question is out of everything that you've done so far what would mm-hmm. you change and why ah I will say the attitude thing and the mentality um, yep. th- that I, I wish I just um, took an ease on everything, didn't um, be too hard on that um, a lot earlier on um, because it, it, it's done a lot for me um, as a person and as a creator a lot. Uh, made me better at just everything um, in that regard. Um, anything else different? Um I feel, I feel like that's the biggest thing to me, really, because um, that's done so much for me. It's, it's allowed me to like work with so many more different people, uh, make better work, um, just just have a little more fun while I'm doing it too. Um, and yeah, I, I think leave a better impression. Um, I think that's maybe the biggest thing. Mm. Yeah. I think a lot of people go into uni or uh, second education or even projects for that matter, thinking that they're the next buddy Steven Spielberg and, you know, it's like they're going to change yeah. the world with their filmmaking and very uh, uh, big egos and, and whatnot. But, you know, just chill out, just make make content, have fun, collaborate, um, and hopefully things progress from there, you know. Uh, work hard totally. at what you do and have fun pretty much. Uh, I think that's the biggest sort of takeaway, you know, I mean, don't everyone thinks that uni is kind of like the, the be and end or, you know what I mean? It's like uni is going to make a break. It's like, well, no, like you could still yeah. fail, drop out and be successful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've got some, like, I know people who had jobbed out or, you know, through different institutions as well and just ended up doing quite well anyway, because they just yeah. had the right mentality. Well, I had Seth on the podcast and he had uh, some good information that he's he's still doing uni. This is his fourth mm. year. Um, but because he dropped a couple of classes and pushed them back and whatnot because he wanted to concentrate on freelancing and pushing content and just making content there. And that sort of led to where he is now, making more content, uh, bigger clients and things like that now. So it's, it's quite interesting to see how everyone's gone differently. Like you decided to push to do a third year project he decided to push to do other freelance stuff yet you're still both doing stuff for the industry which is quite interesting yeah i I think um it it, you know it also depends what your intention is as a creator um you know different things are better for different people you know depend depending on what your situation is um but yeah i think at the end of the day it's really 
if you want it, it's there. You're just going to make it yeah. happen. Yeah. That's it. Uh, so second question is, uh, what's your favorite film or films and why? So before when you preface this, I had I didn't really think, okay, shit, what are my favorite films? Um, because it, I'm sure I'm going to regret saying this after I say it because I'll think of something else and go, no, that's amazing too. Two years time, I'm going to get you on the podcast. You'd be like, oh, I should have changed it. So yeah. no um, pressure, no pressure. <laughs> but I think the two, I'll just answer with the two ones that I have been saying for the past few years. Um, so Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master with um, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix. Um, I love that film so much. Um, a big part of it. I mean, it's it's great on every front, but a big part of it is Joaquin's performance. I think it's... Um, just Dude's on another like, level. Like his acting phenomenal. is so good. Yeah, um, oh, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, Beautiful. he's he, like uh, honestly, he's never done a bad one. He's never done a bad performance. Yeah, a bad performance to him is only by virtue of the film not giving him much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. Um, I mean, so, yeah. her as well. I didn't realize he was in her. I'm like, damn, that's him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, so good. he's rather transformative when he needs to be. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love the master. Um, beautiful cinematography and um, powerful. And uh, this other one, nobody knows by Hidekazu Kureda, um, my favorite Japanese director. Um, nice. Came out in two thousand four, I believe. Um, and uh, yeah, it um, uh, it's it's it stars pretty much like an all kid cast um it's just like about the this um low like social socioeconomically low uh low-end family um in japan and there's four kids two older ones around about you know like 10 11 12 ish and then two um younger kids um and um their mom kind of just abandons them in their apartment and um yeah this this uh the eldest boy just starts to um yeah like have to look after his family and whatnot um and it's really really just a great film um i won't spoil anything um but i i love it in yeah i i I just cannot stress it enough to anyone um i i what i love about it is um both of these films are dramas, I'm realizing. Um, not comedies at all. Um, Interesting. Yeah. but um, Do you watch a lot of comedies of, and like a lot of comedies? or? I, I used to, um, but I feel like it's uh, – I feel like comedies are fun, like, I don't know. They're good, but at the same time, it's hard to find good comedies with, like, a lot of uh, substance behind them that, like, have longer-lasting yeah. – they don't have a lot of, like, rewatchability – uh, you know, power they're just sort of fun in the moment, you know, to lift you up, sort yeah. of things. And then after that, you don't really think about it and be like, oh, start questioning things. And you know, yeah, because it's happened yeah. quite t- a few times. Like you watch a film and you come back, and it's like, wow, that's like changed my perspective on a lot of different things. Exactly. Yeah, they a lot of them don't have that power, unfortunately. Um, yeah. But about that, um, nobody knows film. Um, what I love about it. What I love about Hirokazu Kureda as a um, director is it, he really goes bare bones on it. Like he doesn't do anything flashy, but he really focuses heavy on um, the performances. And he's kind of lets 
he has a lot of like wide shots a lot of wide just on sticks still shots um inside of you know um houses and or wherever it may be and he just lets the characters exist in that um in that moment so it's a it's a less is more approach to things um and i think it's a really 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 fantastic and it's very slice of life where at times you don't even know where the narrative is really going you kind of forget that the narrative is happening but you're invested in the characters and that's what keeps you Mm. going um so yeah i i enjoy those both a lot um and i realized that both i enjoy them both so much because of a performance sake so that's my bias um you bring up an interesting topic um with with like older films uh I, i find that they you know they take a little bit of time to get into them. You know, you have a bit of, you really need to like concentrate on the story and the characters and, you know, investing a lot of time. But with social media changing, you know, how we uh, as a human race, you know, you know, taking content, everything so fast paced, quick, constantly changing all the time. Do you think that sort of affects how we make films and how we watch films and that we need more action, fast paced sort of things, or is there still room for that slower, more, you know, um, you know, way of filmmaking where you can take the time to create story characters and that people will actually sit down and watch them? Yeah. Um, I think in a mainstream sense, definitely. I mean, you can already see it, but, uh, I feel like it's kind of hard for me to definitely say because I'm a like film me nerd person and um, yeah. I, I definitely do enjoy slow cinema. I like it a lot. Um, I make some editing decisions that James will go like, no, that's on there for way too long. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think um, definitely at least in mainstream um, and you can already see it like, everything moves so fast um or that there's a lot of bells and whistles on there to keep if it is a longer shot like just to keep your attention there um yeah it's it's unfortunate i find myself in that trap of uh yeah i i just need to focus on this thing and stop being so adhd about it all um yeah but yeah, I, I think because uh, the director side of you wants to be like, okay, this is pretty artistic, and I'm saying something here, but then it's like, you know, as a as a viewer, like, you know, it's 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 not really keeping my attention and, and things like that. So it's kind of like that debate between filmmaker and and film watcher. Yeah, I, I think um, serial points of um, serial pieces of content are maybe the best for that sake because they're able to episode by episode have a different mini objective and keep yeah. the viewer engaged but they have that long-term payoff um yeah in the overall so i think maybe that's why you see a lot of serial pieces of content being the biggest things right now over films um yeah i don't know sweet all right and yeah. uh to wrap it up last question where can we find you on social media Yep, I'm at David Dobrik on Instagram. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I own that. Um, no, uh, I'm at, I believe it's just my name, no spaces, no, no underscores or anything. Something um, like that. Yeah, I'll put all links yeah, down just, in the description. Just connect it on Instagram. That's where I'm most uh, present. Um, any YouTubes, any Facebook pages? Um, 
No, just just my just got my Instagram and then like all my other accounts uh, in yeah. my bio there. We have Do you want me to link your TikTok? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna um, get so many views and likes from this. <laughs> yeah, I I am. I uploaded one like the other day. I've got like yeah sixty six k followers and um it got like below a hundred views. I'm like, how does that work? <laughs> Jeez, it's the momentum. Yeah, so I'm dead. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. Can't. So and my my other things are my clothing project, Sugi Labs. It's I'm just reading my bio. Um, yep. Art account is Sugi Moto stuff. My production account that I have alongside James and Scott Dunbar is uh, Digital Cowboy. And um, oh, also one YouTube thing you can watch. Um, not a very good mark of my filmmaking, but uh, it's called Vibe Cam. <laughs> <laughs> vibe camp yes okay i have i have to link that in that's uh pretty yeah. funny it's just basically you and a little handy cam going around filming your like parties events and this this little bad one this little uh jvc Iveria. oh jeez. Um, it's it's breaking the outer ring is snapped off um i can't close the like the yeah. lens properly and how much was that camera $60 from our Facebook marketplace. <laughs> That's too expensive, man. Spend way too much on gear. <laughs> but see, I think that goes to show that, you know, you don't need the high-end cameras just to have a bit of fun and, you know, flex your yeah. uh, creative um, itch. Just go out, create exactly. content. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's actually, I'll leave it with a motto. Um, more expensive doesn't always mean good limitations doesn't always mean bad beautiful can't yeah. thank you so much for being on the creative chats podcast uh to no, check out so the much. creative chats podcast uh all the links will be in the description below you can watch them uh on youtube at creative Rose studios on uh, uh spotify and apple itunes um search creative Rose studios and uh yeah thank you guys so much for watching and listening we'll see you on the next episode bye <laughs> I love you.